Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. That is the title of this podcast series that we do here. This is episode 367. In this episode, I am going to answer a question that has been asked me over and over again in the entire 13-plus years of this ministry. Just recently, maybe a couple of days ago, I think, someone asked the question again, and I've never answered this question in a podcast, and I thought, I've been thinking about it for, well, ever since that person asked, and I thought, well, you know, maybe now's the time that I answer the question the best that I can. Well, here's the question, and it's the title of the podcast. Is it wise for me to attend a Sovereign Grace Church? Because of my former relationship with Sovereign Grace Ministries, now Sovereign Grace Churches, people come to me asking for my take on that organization. They're frequently asking because they are in a Sovereign Grace Church, or they're thinking about attending one, or they're thinking about leaving one. A while ago, a pastor from Sovereign Grace Churches called, and he was struggling with the ministry at large, and he wanted to talk because he knew of me, and he, he knew my take, and he has read some content on our website, and he felt like that would be a good resource for him to talk with so that he could work through uh, the struggles that he was having. And so we had a good conversation, I thought, and he eventually decided that you know it was not a good fit for him, and he, he left. He, he pulled out of Sovereign Grace Churches. Now, there have been scores of churches that have left this organization over the past 10 years. I mean, it is really uh, just a shell of what it used to be in its heyday. Uh, probably together for the first Together for the Gospel at the Galt Hotel was probably the absolute apex of this ministry, and it has just been going downhill ever since. And so this pastor was one of those people, and now he's he's somewhere else doing something else and content with his life. It was probably about a month ago where an, a church member from a Sovereign Grace Church uh, wrote in, and, and he's really frustrated with his church. He's talked to the leadership, which is the process, by the way. I am not the first stop in the process. And so they've gone through the process, and he's just still frustrated and wanted to talk to uh, someone else about it and familiar with our ministry. And I do thank God that he has placed us uh, in this position to be able to interact with people and help them with things that are important to them. And then just a couple of days ago, again, someone wrote in, and they're asking, we're thinking about it, I think, I think they're attending, we're thinking about attending a, a Sovereign Grace Church, but when you Google the ministry, I mean, you, you, you can't avoid this. This is a public domain thing. I am not breaking news here. This is not a hot take. This is not news flash. Uh, this has been out there for more than a decade, so there's no revelation here. This is common talk within some circles. And so this individual wanted to talk as well. You see, we live in three primary intersecting spheres. Our entire lives intersect in these three spheres. One is our family life, two, church life, three is our work life. We live in those spheres all the time. And when one of those spheres becomes discombobulated, you really want to know how to rectify the situation. You want to know how to fix it, and you want to plan to move forward. And so I really thank God that that he has positioned us in such a place to where we can talk to people about things that are important to them and help them work through problems that they have. Now, of course, there is a way of doing that. There are two ditches here that, that we want to stay out of. One is the self-censoring 
ditch. And I've never been a self-censoring kind of person. My struggle is the other side of the ditch of being mean-spirited and being harsh or unkind. And so I don't want to fall into either ditch. Uh, I want to communicate with humility. I want to communicate courageously. Uh, sometimes people have a narrow interpretation or definition of the word love where everybody gets a participation trophy. No, sometimes love has teeth in it. Sometimes we need to speak truth in love, and it's a courageous truth. And they need to hear. you need to hear these things. These people need to hear these things because it is a big deal. Perhaps some of you have been following my commentary on the rise and fall of Mars Hill, the church and church movement uh, that ended in 2014 with Mark Driscoll, uh, the podcast series from Christianity Today. I have been commenting uh, on each one of those episodes when Christianity Today puts a new one out. I have 11 of them as of this episode right here. I have 11 of those commentaries on their podcast now. And one of the things that I've said throughout that series is that, you know, there is culpability on our part. If we know to do good and do not do it, I mean, that is sin for us. And there were people in the Mars Hill um, system who knew what was going on and they did not speak out. There were others who did. And that's something that we do need to do, but we need to do it with humility, not with an angry edge. And I don't think that I have that. I, I'm very content and very happy with how life is rolling along for us and very thankful for God's good work uh, in our lives, even thankful for the Sovereign Grace experience because it was uh, foundational uh, for us to grow and learn and get to this place where we are now and have been for going on 14 years. And so I, I come at this from a thankful perspective as far as where we are, but also in a very sober perspective, realizing that the people who are asking me these questions, these are things that they are working out in real time, and so I want to serve them as effectively as I can. And so this is episode 367. I have divided the episode into uh, four parts. It's titled, it is, is it wise for me to attend a Sovereign Grace Church? Here are the four parts that I'm going to roll through. Number one, a brief biographical background. Number two, a few characteristics of Sovereign Grace Churches. Number three, Sovereign Grace implosion, when it all fell apart. And then number four, answering the actual question of the podcast, should you attend a Sovereign Grace Church? And so let me do part number one, a brief biographical background. Lucia and I were part of a Sovereign Grace Church plant. We had our first public meeting on August the 3rd, 2000, uh, 2003. And we actually started as four families a year before that, and then a fifth family came along. And so we five families uh, met for a year, and that grew to about 50 people in the summer of 2011. And so it continued to grow. And then on August the 3rd, 2011, at our first official public church meeting, we had 87 people uh, show up. And so we were part of that church plant and very thankful to be there. Shortly after that, I became an assistant pastor at this local church. And I think there's an important point to be made here. There is a range of awareness between being a church member and being a leader at a local church. Meaning as a church member, you have a narrower view of all the goings on of a local church. Now, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's not even a logical way. It's not a possible way for you to know everything that goes on. And you shouldn't know everything that goes on. And so you can be very content in your local church with a narrow range of understanding, and you can do life 
love God, love others, and just be very content as a church member. I'm merely saying that when you step up into the leadership ranks, that range of knowledge is going to expand, and that could be positive and negative. For me, when I became an assistant pastor, that range of awareness about all the goings-on of a local church was it was very negative. I saw abuse, and I'm talking about berating, what you would call verbal abuse, just the ongoing berating of people. I saw vulgarity that I've, I've never heard so much vulgarity in my entire Christian experience. I saw the mismanagement of funds, and I saw other things, and it began to create, first it was little red flags that were popping up, and then it became divisive. And then eventually I was de-gifted. De-gifting within the sovereign grace world means that God has called you to preach, called you to be a pastor. You are gifted to be a pastor, and then you're not. You're de-gifted for whatever reason. It is sovereign grace's version of the cancel culture. Sovereign grace had a cancel culture before the cancel culture ever existed. And so you can be de-gifted after you have been pronounced being gifted to be a pastor. And that's what happened to me. But there was a lot of division at this level on the leadership team between me specifically and another pastor on staff. And again, on the congregation level, I doubt if anyone in the congregation knew uh, they may have sensed something, I don't know, uh, but they didn't know what I knew, and it was really, really bad on an authoritarian, abusive, vulgar, mismanagement way, and it created so much division that I couldn't be part of it. And of course, that eventually led to being being canceled, basically. Now, what I didn't see at the time, and this is also an important point, that when things are dark— it doesn't mean that God is not working. God was providentially moving me to a spot, and it's the spot that I sit today. I have never been more content in my entire life. God was putting me in a position of a greater usefulness that I could never anticipated, but it came through the darkness of what went on during those really bad days uh, with Sovereign Grace Ministries. And I want you to hear that clearly because some of you are going through some difficult things, and I know it's difficult, and there aren't any short-term answers that's going to give you uh, the satisfaction that you need. But the hope is, and it's not a false hope, uh, that God is still working, and He's working a plan. And so we just want to keep loving God and keep loving others, and, and we'll see things turned into uh, something that could be quite fabulous, and that is really what happened uh, to me. And so as I share this biographical background, no pity, no pity, not for me, not at all. Uh, God has done a good work. Well, that church plant grew to just over 300 members uh, slash attendees, uh, but it is a shell of itself today, uh, around 100, 125 people, I would imagine, uh, but it's, it's just a, a dwindling church that's muddling along uh, at this point. And then they eventually, like so many other churches within Sovereign Grace, they pulled out uh, as well. And, and that part I do appreciate. And so that's a brief biographical sketch. Now, I want to share my perspective of some characteristics of Sovereign Grace Ministries. Number one, and this is not even arguable, and it's not arguable at all, the leadership model at Sovereign Grace Ministries is top-down authoritarianism. It's just top-down authoritarianism. 
is controlled. It is a well-managed, or it used to be a well-managed ministry until I get to part three down here where it all imploded to where all that stuff at the leadership level came out and people were aware of it. Our church actually is a a, a microcosm of the macrocosm. Uh, we, we were a a small snippet of what was going on at the organizational level of the ministry. And I did not know of this organizational rigmarole at the upper level. I mean, I could sense it, that there were things that were wrong, but not until it imploded that I realized, oh, well, no wonder this church was so awful here in Greenville at a leadership level uh, because the ministry is awful as well. But the leadership model is top-down authoritarianism. Also, the church caters mainly, not exclusively, but mainly to white middle-class families who homeschool. And that is an interesting characteristic of Sovereign Grace Ministries, mainly, not exclusively. For example, Sovereign Grace Ministries tried to plant a church, I think it was in Philadelphia, in a lower-class area, but it didn't survive because that is not their DNA. An authoritarian church, any authoritarian is, is going to have certain parameters where only certain people fit uh, within the scope of that authoritarian culture or authoritarian leadership. And the way the authoritarian leadership is set up in Sovereign Grace Ministries, it caters primarily to a certain group of people, white middle-class families who homeschool. And that's why when people would come to our church, they, they would use the C word, and the C word is cult. They would say, this looks like a cult. It used to be off-putting when they said it, but then when I stepped away after all these years, I looked back and I said, no wonder no wonder they said that. Everybody in here is white, middle-class families who homeschool. It looks like a cult, and we all act the same. That's an authoritarian culture. Now, one of the reasons that it resonates to the people is because many of the parents within Sovereign Grace Churches have young children, you know, from zero to 16. And so there's a lot of children within these churches, and, and so parents who want to manage their children, you know, one of our three primary spheres are family, church, and work. And so parents who are authoritarian-like, or at least have authoritarian leanings, will fit well within a church environment that is strongly authoritarian, and you can manage your children from zero to 18. And so the church caters to a specific demographic because many of these parents like that kind of mindset, that kind of control mindset, and so they can have it virtually, they can control their children from zero to 18. Many of these kids, unfortunately, stop attending church altogether or they find another church after they turn 18 or go to college so they can get away from so they can flourish so that quite frankly so they can flourish it's hard to flourish within an authoritarian culture whether it's a, a country like America or a church leadership model like Sovereign Grace Ministries so there's a few characteristics of Sovereign Grace churches and point number 3 is the Sovereign Grace implosion the implosion happened in 2011 when Brent Detweiler sent out what has been called the documents. And these are hundreds upon hundreds of pages of back traffic emails and letters and just all kinds of data about the goings on at the leadership level, the thing that I've been talking about. And so when you bring what's been going on at the leadership level and you bring it down and put it in the public space, stuff's going to happen. And Sovereign Grace Ministries was exposed. Now, you know, people can argue, you know, back and forth, was it right for Brent to do this? 
or maybe was it right for Brent to do this? And did he have the right attitude when he did it? I mean, those things that, you know, we can debate about, but it's, it's out there now. It's been out there for more than a decade and it had a huge impact, obviously on the ministry. The ministry has imploded. I mean, the ministry is a shell of itself as well. Now, Brent Detweiler has a long history with Sovereign Grace Ministries. Uh, he came on in the early 80s. He became one of their apostles uh, with CJ, and uh, Larry Tomzak was uh, there at the time. They had other apostles like uh, Steve uh, Shank and a few others. But anyway, Brent was there. Uh, in the early 80s, all the way up uh, until the late aughts, and then he let out, he, he took all this data and turned it loose. I knew Brent. Brent was over our region in the southeast. We spent some time together. I have met with Brent and Jenny on, on a couple of occasions and interacted with them. I actually went to Brent and asked him to help me. I appealed to him to help me uh, to work through what was going on at the leadership level, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. I don't know why, so I can't speculate, but he didn't help. Um, I I was struggling. Now, what I realized later is, you know, it it could be because of what he was going through uh, with C.J. Mahaney, but I I don't know the answer to that question, but I did reach out to him because it was really bad on our level, Uh, but you know, as I, as I think about it now, I mean, it was exponentially worse on his level with what was going on uh, in, organizationally uh, in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Now, of course, some of the stuff that came out since then, that there was sexual abuse cover-up, which is what you would expect with an authoritarian-type ministry. Uh, there was a gentleman named Nathan Morales who got 40 years of uh, a 40-year prison sentence for uh, sexual abuse. It was covered up. Grant Lehman uh, said uh, in court proceedings that, you know, they should have reported that. You know, any ministry, I mean, Sovereign Grace is, uh, they're continuationist. I mean, you know, they started out as full-blown charismatics. They became kind of reformed in around the 2000 time, but a spirit-illuminated ministry would have enough sense to know that if someone uh, says that they've been sexually abused by someone that they would, you know, call the authorities, but they did not do that. And but that's a part of the authoritarian culture. There's a lot of image management within this ministry. Just a just a whole lot of taking care of the image, uh, regardless of of the attacks that you know that come after them. And so many churches have left the movement, and several of our celebrity evangelical stars have distanced themselves from C.J. Mahaney. C.J. is the de facto leader of the movement. The most recent one is Ray Ortland. Ray Ortland is, was a, a fan of, of C.J. and Sovereign Grace and was speaking in the church in, Saint, in Louisville, where uh, C.J. currently is, uh, but he has distanced himself. There's some questions about why he did that. Uh, Albert Moeller also has distanced himself, and there's been others as well. And so the ministry peaked out in at the first Together for the Gospel conference, and then it's just been going downhill ever since. My perspective on it is that uh, the ministry, uh, CJ and Sovereign Grace Ministries, need to submit to a full investigation about all the goings-on of the ministry. That is my perspective. Uh, There's a lot of people that agree with that, but they refuse to do it. The reason they got off the hook uh, during the court proceedings of the sexual abuse 
allegations. It's because of statute of limitations. Now, they frame that as, you know, basically being not guilty, uh, but that's so disingenuous. Uh, it was the statute of limitations as to why they couldn't go any further than what they did, and so it's really unfortunate. But it's more than sexual abuse. It is a culture. It is an authoritarian culture, and many people have recognized this, and that's why they have pulled out. I am not saying that an authoritarian culture is the wrong way to lead a church. I mean, you have a delegating culture. You have an authoritative culture. But there's a way to do it. It, it, I mean, the answer is not to throw authority away. I mean, okay, so what are we talking about? You just don't have any authority. Well, that's not the answer. And so somewhere there is a balance of being authoritative, but there's a way to do it, and Sovereign Grace historically has done it poorly. And so that's a brief overview about the Sovereign Grace implosion. I've talked about Sovereign Grace characteristics, and I gave a brief background. Now I want to answer the question, of this episode 367, is it wise for me to attend a Sovereign Grace Church? A question that was put forth to me. And again, there's been several, many iterations of that question asked me over the years. And so I want to give you eight things for your consideration. Number one, I can't answer that question for you. Of course, you knew that. Uh, That's between you and the Lord. It's between you and all your due diligence, and I do appreciate you seeking due diligence here. Uh, If you're married, it's between you and your spouse. If your family, your children are old enough uh, to be able to weigh into these decisions, uh, you want to bring them in as well. Again, if they're old enough, mature enough, and can be able to add value to the conversation. And then probably one or two competent friends within your immediate sphere, people who are closer to you, know you, closer to the situation, and they have the competency to be able to uh, help you to walk through it. So that's number one. Number two, I recommend that if the ch- if the church leaders uh, do not talk transparently and openly and honestly, like what I'm trying to do here in this podcast, uh, if they're not willing to do that, then that is a sign. You want to be careful. I mean, if you go to anyone, let's say that if your brother sins, and so you go to your brother, and you want to talk about that, and maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're wrong in what you observe. What you see in your brother, you could be wrong, but you go to him, and you talk to him about it, and he's not open, not transparent, not honest. Well, then you need to be careful with that brother. Well, the same thing would happen here. You go to your church leaders. Uh, If you don't attend that church, then you have a meeting with a church leader or the church leaders, and you talk to them. And if they don't talk openly, transparently, and honestly about the things, I mean, it's all over the Internet. If they're not willing to do that, then be very careful. Uh, If they focus more uh, on the spec which could be Brent Detweiler and the documents and other people, Rachel Den Hollander, if they focus more on that, if they talk about libel, if they become defensive, listen to these things. Uh, begin openly, transparently, honestly. And if they're not that way, you be careful. Number three, if your Summer Grace Church is authoritarian, you need to think through what that means for you and your family. Now, I'm not an authoritarian kind of person. I'm a, I'm a delegator. I mean, our ministry is a delegating model. Uh, I, I don't micromanage people, and I, I want to hire competent people who can stand on their own feet and don't need me looking over 
their shoulder. But if your church is authoritarian, you need to think through what that means. And if you need some help with that, we have a lot of articles on our website about churches and authoritarian churches. And if you want to talk about that, uh, then please jump on our community forums, and I'll be glad to discuss that with you. But an authoritarian church will create a certain kind of person and I find that within these types of churches that it's hard to flourish. It's very restrictive. You take authoritarian parents, for example. Well, the Bible says that you should train your children in the way that they should go. Well, there has to be a delegated aspect to that because you want to, you want to push your children in a unique way that is perfect for them, not micromanaging them and being overly authoritarian. Now, again, the idea here is not to throw your authority out, but when authoritarianism takes on the tone and the vibe of more controlling everything, which is how a lot of sovereign grace churches are, then you need to think through what that is. Then number four, I want you to read my article on spiritual abuse. I wrote this article based on specific characteristics that I've seen in Sovereign Grace churches. The article applies universally to anybody, any situation who is spiritually abusing another person. Uh, but my talking points came right out of my experience with our local church, and I have it linked here under point number four. Uh, read my article on spiritual abuse, which highlights specific characteristics of many Sovereign Grace churches. Number five, I also want you to read my perspective about being a Sovereign Grace pastor. I have written about that. Uh, and I have it linked here, and so I want you to read the abuse article, and I want you to read my perspective on being a Sovereign Grace pastor, which is also linked here. And then, uh, to answer the question, should I attend or be a part of a Sovereign Grace church, my perspective about this matter is the same one that I have about IABC. What is IABC? The International Association of Biblical Counselors. I have an article here that I linked why I am not a part of IABC anymore. IABC was led uh, by Ed Bulkley, uh, Kevin Hurt, um, Bob, what's his name, and somebody else. <laughs> This is my old mind. Ed Bulkley was put under uh, church discipline as the president of IABC. He was disciplined, and he left his step down from the pastorate, left his church. Well, he was leading IABC as well. Kevin Hurt was a part of all of that as well as the other two guys. And Bob, the other guy, the another board member, uh, is currently under church discipline. And so IABC reorganized with a whole new board, and they're trying to re reinvent themselves. But they have not come clean about what has happened. I won't associate with an organization that will not fully acknowledge a public debacle and communicate its plans for restoring public integrity. To my knowledge, IABC has not uh, come out fully to talk about the, a public debacle and to communicate plans of restoring public integrity. And I have the same position with Sovereign Grace Ministries. I won't associate, I won't platform uh, either anyone from IABC or Sovereign Grace Ministries, won't associate, will not promote them in any way until they come out and make a public statement about the debacle 
and communicate their plans for restoring public integrity. How could I know these things about IABC and Sovereign Grace Ministries and recommend them when I am unaware of any path of repentance put forward? That would make me culpable. That would make me guilty of what is what has gone on in the past. And so until they have a definitive plan for restoring public integrity, I couldn't be part of the organization from a conscience perspective. Number seven, if you want to talk to me about this episode, then I do want you to jump on our forums. We have free forums. You don't have to pay a dime. Uh, just jump on there and let's talk. And then finally, number eight. I have three articles here, and if you haven't read them, I do want you to read them because it will give you sufficient uh, due diligence, I think, from a perspective that Sovereign Grace Leadership probably will not, uh, will not give you. One is on Facebook, uh, Rachel Den Hollander, uh, her assessment, evaluation, investigation of Sovereign Grace Ministries. And then there's an article here from The Washingtonian that talks about the sexual scandal at Covenant Life Church where C.J. Mahaney did pastor, and he turned it over to Joshua Harris, and you're probably familiar with some of that. And then finally, from Church Leaders News, there's a third article here, and I would encourage you to read all three. I think, based on this podcast, the links that I have here, the things that I've said, the information that I've provided at the very end, under point number eight, and an opportunity to talk to us on the forums, that should give you a good direction as far as the decision that you need to make. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 367. This was tough for me, uh, but I trust it will benefit you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.